Hello, everyone. Welcome back here again at the Sustainable Rum Summit. Our next interview, I think a, a Christmas gift for everyone uh, with another UK uh, master distiller. And this time it's uh, North Point Distillery all the way up in Scotland and talking to Alex, who is actually confined now uh, in a small space in quarantine uh, in Canada. Right, Alex? Yes, unfortunately, that's correct. So I uh, haven't been able to escape my hotel room, but my quarantine ends tomorrow. So very much looking forward to getting outside. And then spend Christmas with family and friends, I suppose. Is it, uh, is it the tough restrictions in, in Canada as well, same as in, in the UK? Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite tough restrictions, especially now given the, the late news of uh, the UK and all the unfortunate business that's been happening over there. So I think they're, they're really clamping down on all the restrictions and the Canadian government's taking quite a lot of uh, precautions and measures against uh, international travel, such as myself. Yeah. yeah, but glad you can make it over the pond just in time, uh, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to crack open a rum for Christmas. Exactly. So, uh, talking about rum uh, and talking about Scotland, uh, yeah, it, it's quite an odd combination, one would say. Uh, but who and what is is Alex, uh, and and what is uh, Northwind Distillery? Uh, could you give some kind of an, a brief introduction? Perfect. Yeah. So, um, I founded uh, North Point Distillery uh, with my uh, co-founder Struan Mackey. Um, who unfortunately wasn't able to make it here today. Um, Strun and I actually started working together uh, a number of years ago within the fast growth tech startup scene of London. Um, ironically, we actually had a, a client consultant relationship as Strun is a former PwC advisor. Um, and we both shared a passion for um, helping companies, uh, advising them on their growth strategies, uh, advising them on their uh, capital raises and um, very much uh, looking at their business operations and refining them. Um, and uh, we found out we also shared an interest in spirits. Um, you know, Struan formerly worked in the whiskey industry a number of years ago, and he said he wanted to return to that, but uh, he had an ambition to actually open up a rum distillery. And uh, there's two spirits I love in this world. One is whiskey, the second is rum. And I thought that this was the, the coolest sounding thing I've, I've heard in a long time. And I said, um, of course, can I lend my services to, to such a venture? And we started talking, started talking, and, and we started to form this idea of a distillery up on the far north of Scotland that tries to innovate while also honor heritage. So really North Point uh, Distillery to us is a bit of a looking to the past and honoring the history heritage of both the people of the local area in Caithness their story and also the Scottish distilling techniques that have been used historically, while also looking at the origins of rum, how Scotland has played a really important part in the history of rum and the trade of it uh, to the Caribbean, uh, but also looking to the future and how you can take this amazing spirit that can be made anywhere in the world um, that has a very unique taste that people love to drink and redefine what you can do with that spirit and how you can do it 
in, in a way that's not only delicious, but also sustainable. And, and, and that is, I think you mentioned a bit already, a few of the USPs, uh, which helps you then, uh, I would say, enter uh, with a new uh, rum product in a crowded, though a bit traditional spirit category. Am I right? Yes, yeah. So, you know, Strun, when we uh, first started looking at the landscape of rum, we saw a lot of different players, particularly in Scotland. Um, rum is kind of the new gin in a lot of ways. There's a, a lot of growth. There's a lot of new players popping up. And we looked at what they're doing, and we saw that uh, a lot of people had these amazing ideas for flavored rums, spiced rums. Um, a lot of uh, unique characteristics, whether they're using different sugar-based products uh, for their rums. And Struan and I said, well, how would you create a traditional Caribbean rum similar to a Mount Gay? And then how would you make it Scottish? And we had this idea of we would love to appeal and use what we have in our local area. And what we have in our local area is not only the water that a lot of Scotch, uh, Scotch distilleries use, but uh, the casks. And one of the biggest things to Scotch whiskey, as everyone knows, is aging and how you refine the maturation and the care that you take. And we thought it would be a really interesting concept to reverse what a lot of people are doing, which is taking scotch and maturing it in, in rum casks, we're taking rum and maturing it in scotch casks. And we think with that, we're starting to create this really unique product that has uh, an appeal to two segments of the spirits market, to rum drinkers and whiskey drinkers, um, while still being a very good rum and, and having some nice whiskey notes to it as well. So, I mean, Struan always laughs and giggles, but I always like to think this, uh, our product to me is, is kind of, uh, at least our young rum is very much like a, a young Mount Gay and, uh, uh, and a Macallan had a baby. And I'd like to think that baby is our rum. And then, okay, you're having the baby or you're pregnant uh, and you're taking in, <laughs> let's say the knowledge that you have in advising companies. Uh, either in the startup scene, uh, if you look at access to finance elements. So how to go about it? So it, it, I have the song in my mind, like uh, old McDonald had a farm, but young McDonald had a distillery, um, but not yet. So what are the lessons learned or the steps you took in in, in building your dream together with Strun and, and finding also the investors and, and the whole process around it? Yeah, so Struan and I, um, we, we really kind of took this initial idea. And then, to be honest, we started writing. We started writing a business plan after business plan. And I, I really wish I was joking when we went through 85 iterations of our business plan. Um, you know, we wrote all the way up to 150 pages, then scrapped it down to 80, then scrapped it down to 40, then back up to 60, et cetera. You, you kind of get the gist. Um, and what we, we found uh, after refining and refining is we had such an amazing advisory team, uh, both in the UK and Canada, that were able to point us towards who we needed to speak to um, for investment and, and capital and how we need to go about it. Um, because while we had great experience in 
raising money for tech startups. Our experience in raising money for distilleries was zero. <laughs> so we very much had the belief that we needed to somehow go about this in a way that combined our experience of tech startups and the aggressive approach and how you needed to be clear, polished, and really understand your unique selling points while conveying the depth and brevity that you're willing to go over the next several five years, 10 years, etc. While also understanding that there is a risk culture uh, that is very much prevalent in investing in a distillery, um, especially a smaller one. So we took as many steps as possible to mitigate the risk while also expanding on why we're unique and why we're worth that capital investment. Um, so we looked at a couple of different funding opportunities and options for ourselves. And what we realized is we said, we're not prepared to go out to uh, a crowdfunding um, option like your crowd cubed, et cetera, mostly because we wanted to keep what we had very locked down, very secretive, and essentially kind of take people by surprise. We really, we, we kind of like the guerrilla marketing style of that. Um, and we were able to achieve that because we followed our advisor's uh, judgment on going to uh, what Struan and I call the friends and family. You know, people that are close to us in our network that had, um, you know, capital and were able to uh, share our vision. And a lot of the ways we also looked at our investment is uh, strategic impact. Are these individuals that could be with us for a number of years in not only an investor context, but in an advisor, uh, you know, capacity? Can they help us expand, not just give us money? I think that's critical, and, and I think that's also maybe a lesson that you took uh, with your tech startup uh, experience. But I think, from my experience, if you look at tech, it's it's a steep curve. You know, it, it, it once invested, it can grow quite fast, while uh, the maturity level or the growth pace, let's say maybe for a distillery, it's it's more gradually. Uh, how did you go about it then in in uh, explaining to investors like it's it's, it's not your, your typical tech startup but it's uh, it's a longer curve yeah so uh, you know one of the big advantages uh, in our team is the interplay between Struan and I I would like to say so um, Struan is very much uh, your operations and, and numbers guru was able to really look at a number of different valuation um, models for our for our distillery and so we were able to give quite a clear picture on what we think we're worth and how that's going to expand over the years to come because without a, a in-depth financial analysis uh, especially over a long-term opportunity like a distillery i feel like a lot of investors are are left scratching their heads as to whether it's worth it or not and then my background has always been in growth and business development so it's looking at not only the day-to-day the -day sales, but very much where are you going with in terms of strategic partnerships and international expansion? And how does that align with your distillery? Uh, I mean, within our first three months, we're already in the U.S. market and, 
and we're very, very soon expanding into uh, the European market. Knock on wood, nothing too bad happens with the whole Brexit situation. Mm -hmm. But um, we're, we're looking at how fast can we internationally expand while also in the UK domestic market, uh, use strategic partners to get us into the right places. So essentially, uh, strategic partners is key to really take on that growth phase or that, 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 that growth level uh that you want to see right uh how does yeah i think then... without it yeah oh go on now how does sustainability then play in also for an investor perspective uh to invest is that key important or is that yeah it's nice to have so uh, to to maybe strip it back um Stuart and i when we were, were planning this out uh, we we noticed that we kept having these questions of where's that product coming from? Um, you know, what about single use plastics? You know, where we know, uh, particularly Struan has his, his uh, ear to the heartbeat of things that are happening in legislation at the moment, being a, a local councillor in Scotland. Um, so we know that single use plastics, you know, there's a, in the next five years, those are going to be banned. So we know, that there there's a way that there's a trend moving and we also understand that sustainability is going to become the new norm um so what we thought is why try and reverse engineer it don't don't build sustainability on a, a fractured foundation if sustainability is not at the core of everything you do then don't at all try to be sustainable because retrofitting sustainability on the distillery is incredibly difficult um, and so we stripped everything back in the distillery to it, its core of saying, is this sustainable to the environment? Is this sustainable to the local community? And is this sustainable in a economic context for us? Uh, because quite honestly, you, you can be as environmentally friendly as you want, but you ha also have to remain in business. So we, we looked at all the options that we have and Struan and I, through an, an extensive procurement exercise, considered everything from the labels to the corks to the bottles uh, to the still, the building, etc. And we started building this sustainability methodology on top of our procurement strategy. And so I think a lot of, you know, errors or potentially challenges that distillers face is they go, well, we just bought this. Can we make it sustainable? And it says, well, you've already bought it and it already wasn't sustainable. So now you're going to try and retrofit sustainability on it. So you're going to be paying twice. And is it truly sustainable? Because in my mind, sustainability is more of a mindset than your actions. And your actions reflect your mindset. So it's kind of, you know, practice what you preach. And then uh, North Point, what if you look at the basic elements of sustainability, energy, waste, water, packaging, community engagement. Uh, can we dive in a bit to that, like what you guys are doing? Yes, of course, yeah. So uh, the first thing was, I mean, in a distillery, you, you need assets, you need, uh, you need manufacturing equipment. Um, so the first biggest procurement exercise that we did was for our still. And historically, uh, you know, stills within the rum whiskey industry etc are 
incredibly inefficient and um, in most ways incredibly unsustainable unless they're electric stills. Um, so we uh, did a massive um, design phase where we worked with a company called DES and we got a bespoke still made for ourselves um, that allowed us to distill any type of spirit that we in baskets. So it, it's a very versatile still while also being incredibly sustainable because it's all electrically fired. Um, so it runs off the mains of our building. And then um, that was really, really key to us because we thought I couldn't, you know, uh, very much say in a positive fashion to other people that were sustainable while still having a, a gas-fired still uh, back at the distillery. The, the next element, obviously, uh, which was huge for us, was uh, site allocation. Um, and we looked all around Caithness. I think Stuart and I put a considerable amount of miles on our cars uh, just driving around and trying to see different sites. And we stumbled on a site at the Fours Business and Energy Park. Um, and what was so ideal about that is that there's actually a wind farm on site. So uh, all our power is actually coming from a renewable source in that uh, wind farm. Um, so once again, that kind of eliminated our need uh, to look for sustainable energy. Um, then when it comes to actually, uh, you know, what goes into the bottle, we made sure that we sustainably uh, sourced our sugarcane from the Caribbean. Um, and we made sure that it was fair trade and we, we tracked it all the way back. Uh, we looked at different carbon offsets uh, for the actual the air miles of it traveling over to the UK because a lot of people go, well, I sourced it, it's sustainable. And you kind of go, well, the plane it's going on isn't. So you need to look at that. And then when it comes to everything in our distillery, we've tried to eliminate single-use plastics as much as possible. Uh, you know, Struan and I like to have this conversation of, of if it's not touching copper and it's not touching wood and it's not touching the glass in our bottle, the liquid shouldn't be touching anything else. Um, it shouldn't be touching plastic containers. It shouldn't be touching uh, large-scale plastic tubs, etc. cetera. It, it needs to be streamlined from copper to wood to bottle. That's, that's our vision uh, moving forward. And then finally, the, the bottle itself, uh, we took great care in working with our partners at Estal um, and their wildly crafted range, which is already 100% percent recycled bottles and then we worked with rankin brothers who have a sustainability policy with their corking um, from their cork farms in spain and actually they're they're doing a number of different strategies moving forward to actually help people grow their own cork even in the uk i don't know how that's going to potentially work given the climate but um, i'm very interested to see where it goes um, and then we worked uh with uh, the likes of uh, NSD International and Image on Glass for our labeling options and make sure that they have and are using uh, sustainably sourced labels uh, and glues for our labels themselves. Um, and particularly with our, our pilot rum, our, our flagship product, that's actually silk screened onto the bottle, uh, which is a far better sustainable option than um, your traditional paper labels. So We've really tried to source from beginning to end 
sustainable options for everything. Um, and then we really felt like that's how you want to do it. And then when it comes to community engagement, it's uh, we have a number of different programs that we're going to be working with next year um, from beach cleanups all the way into investment into uh, sustainability training for different staff members, et cetera. Um, and obviously, we're, we're, our vision is to work up to a, a B Corp certification as well. Uh, but that's uh, a, a num another couple years down the line. But that's that's how we are planning to build this out. And, and it's it, it's amazing. And, and, and I like the model, like you said, is that you plug it in from the start. It, it, it's it's a it's a, it's a mentality. It's a decision uh, from the get go. Uh, building your dream that sustainability is incorporated, let's say, throughout the decision making that you do eh? the whole capital sinking it's not only about capital finance but it's also environment human etc um how does then maybe the municipality or let's say the public side uh, they also provide support and guidance um can you can you share a bit on that and fund um who have helped us out uh with uh a number of different projects that we've been working on, as well as Highlands and Islands Enterprise as a whole, um, which is the um, kind of local agency for supporting businesses, et cetera, um, in the Highlands of Scotland. And both have helped out uh, in varying ways, uh, especially uh, putting us on different leadership programs. Drew and I are, are going on a, a, a HIE, Highlands and Islands Enterprise Program, Impact 30 next year. Um, so we feel like they they have our best interest at heart. Um, and we're really looking forward to kind of also potentially opening their eyes to the different opportunities that are present with working with a sustainable distillery moving forward. Because obviously in, in Scotch, you have a couple like Arbeeky or Glenn Wivis. Um, and a lot are trying to really redefine like Glenn Fit are putting in place uh, certain carbon negative um, and carbon footprint exercises, but there's a, a huge prevalence within the distilling market as a whole within Scotland that sustainability is evolving, but it needs to evolve faster. And then how does sustainability, I would call you then, you're an electric distillery, how does that fit into, let's say, the, the real world? Eh? If you look at market price, competition, uh, consumer interest how do you go about that uh, what works for you how do you tell your story and, and is it do people accept it or maybe like okay uh, I like cooking let's say on a stove and not so much on an electric stove um, you know what I mean so how do you yeah. bring that message across so uh, I mean the first thing I need to say is it's a challenge it's a massive challenge um, because Typically, everything that you buy that is sustainably sourced is going to be more expensive. Um, that, that's just the, the case of it. And then for us, it, it's also looking at the limitations of, for example, an electric still. Um, there's only so big a still that you can make that is run on electric. So if we would like to expand, which we do, um, we have to look at different methods that we can expand our capacity and capability for distilling alcohol while still maintaining that core belief of sustainability first. Um, 
so we think that there's a lot of interesting aspects that we can carry out moving forward. But I would always say within competition and, and the storytelling that you, you make is, and maybe this is slightly narrow-minded of myself, but I, I don't think we're actually competing against other distilleries that are also sustainable. Um, I would very much like to broker you know, collaborative ideas amongst these distilleries and even potentially create, you know, a UK sustainable distillery forum, things like that. Because at the end of the day, the more people that you have doing that, the better the industry is going to be as a whole moving forward. But if you're constantly kind of saying, well, I'm more sustainable than you, or I'm more environmentally friendly than you, you're going, you're, you're, you're cutting your nose off despite your face. You're, you're not actually doing sustainability probably for the right reasons you're doing it for financial reasons and for financial incentives rather than for the actual reason why you're doing sustainability is to help out the planet help out the growth of people help out your local community and in, and in then i will call it then the pre-competitive collaboration space eh? what what are the challenges that you say i would like i would love to tackle together either with my other distillery peers either rum but maybe even whiskey uh that are on top of mind you said well if we can share that knowledge what progress are you making on this uh, what challenges do you face on that how did you solve that what are maybe the top three topics that you would uh, say well that i would like to share or learn from my from my peers in the industry i think the one biggest thing that we could tackle as a group is how to create a, a really sustainable supply chain um, because that is in my eyes the probably the biggest challenge moving forward is the movement and transportation of goods um, manufacturing equipment and your own product in and out the door and that is uh, what I feel is is really going to be the difference maker in sustainability over the next five years for the distillery trade as a whole regardless of rum whiskey gin etc um so for example if there was a sustainable trade route from the top of scotland to london um how could that be influenced could that be uh, a stopping off point for different distilleries could you have a mapping of distillery routes where you have worked with a sustainable shipping company uh, to even go abroad overseas and if not how can you offset uh, your footprint but I always I always feel that uh, carbon offsetting or um, you know allocation into uh, carbon offsetting services while it is amazing what they're doing and I completely agree with the concept I disagree with the mentality behind it at least personally because in my mind you are potentially buying uh, um, a challenge I have for people of if you're if you're having to buy carbon off setting have you been sustainable in the first place um, you know it, it's it's that challenge of you're, you're kind of putting the band-aid over the scratch but you're not actually looking at what caused the scratch so uh, I would always say to people instead of potentially going for that carbon offset look at what you've built in your distillery and is there anything that you can change within your internal processes first and then if you still need to go carbon offset then yes still say you're 
you have a low carbon footprint, but I, I probably wouldn't use the words uh, carbon negative um, for, for those companies, but that's just me personally. And, you know, there's no attacks to anybody in the marketplace that, that are doing that. It's just more of a, a, a personal judgment uh, on my part. So I, I really think going back to your original question, and sorry for that tangent there, but to go back to your original question, it is going to be supply chain. Supply chain is the biggest challenge to sustainability worldwide, regardless of distilleries. But in particular in distilleries where you have so many bottles going all out all the time, that's going to be where people need to to really refine their processes. And, and well, my opinion, I think, also based on, on the, the COVID experience, is that there will be a disruptive change in supply chains going forward uh, now on, and that will impact uh, many uh, sectors and, and products. How do you envision then the wrong category, let's say, in five to ten years? Uh, basically, now I think also in Europe it's becoming more and more of a trend uh, category. Yeah? Gin is 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 out, uh, whiskey it's it's there, but uh, you see the growing, especially on millennials and younger generations. It's uh, it's more about rum. How do you see it in five years? I think uh, you're exactly right uh, in in terms of your assessment. Uh, I think, for example, in North America, gin is still very much growing. Um, but rum has always been big in North America. I mean, Miami is probably the single largest consumer by city of rum in the world. Uh, um, so I think if, if you look at rum over the next five years, I think you're going to see a massive rise in distilleries. Um, you're going to see a massive rise in uh, different products, particularly on the, the kind of lower hanging fruit of the rum market of spiced rum. You're going to see a lot of spiced rums coming out. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of um, people start to take uh, rum in a very interesting direction, um, whether it be aging techniques like ourselves, whether it be uh, pure sustainability, whether it is flavorings, etc. I think you're going to see rum take off similar to gin, but in probably a little bit more of a refined space because I think gin taught a lot of people how to not run a distillery. And I think it really burnt a lot of people because gin is very quick to make. Um, not saying it's not difficult, but it's very quick to make. And I think, I mean, to put it this way, for the first time in history, you had more distilleries in England than you did in Scotland. And that's purely down to the gin craze. So now I think people are seeing the gin craze and they're going, well, I'm hearing rumblings about rum. I need to get onto that train. But I would just caution everyone, get on that train, but make sure you're actually creating a positive impact for the spirit in a sustainable fashion. You know, if that is just making sure you use recycled bottles, that is one step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, if you could pass on, let's say, the, the baton of, of this interview to um, uh, your, your peer, your next colleague, um, who would you uh, pass it on to? Ooh, that's, um, that's quite a good question. Um, I, I think there's, uh, I'm going to probably split my answer into two parts. I, I hope you don't mind. Um, one is 
uh, a new local distillery that's popping up in the area called Askaval Rum, A-S-K-I-V-A-L, Askaval Rum. Um, I think they've got a, a unique story. I think I, I like where they're locally situated um, in the Hebrides. And I think uh, with everything going on, I, I would love to have a chat with them about their sustainability policy and, and see if we could potentially help out there. Um, and then my second would be to kind of go to the top of the rum market in the UK, and I would potentially pass the baton uh, to Ian Burrell. Um, for for people you know that don't know Ian, um, you know he's voted as probably one of the most, if not top ten, influential people within the rum market in the world. Definitely in the UK, he, he's number one, and. He opened up his own distillery, Equiano Rum, which looks absolutely fantastic. I've had it myself. It's a delicious spirit. Um, but I think Ian has this really unique uh, platform uh, to speak from. And I think if he could talk on the lessons of sustainability, what he's learned and where he's having challenges, because, I mean, certainly no one's perfect, especially us. We're constantly being challenged every day in sustainability. I, I would just love to hear him speak about that and, and how he thinks the rum market needs to be over the next five to 10 years and how it needs to evolve to make sure that it accommodates that new sustainability and its core tenants. Okay. Well, thank you. That's a challenge. So I will follow up on. Uh, and if I need your help, then uh, I will let you know. Uh, but you're right. I think Ian, uh, especially then also in the UK and, and broader, um, has a clear and a good voice uh, and I would say let's say respect within the rum community uh, uh, in, in taking the sustainability message uh, forward uh, for North Point uh, what's on the agenda for 2021 uh, 2021 um, we've got some really unique rums coming out that uh, I'm not at liberty to disclose yet but uh, certainly it's going to be taking even more um, you know, inspiration and influence from the Scotch whiskey uh, distilling techniques. Um, we've got some really interesting uh, launches with our distillers editions, which is our kind of creative outlet. And um, for us, for our mainstay project for uh, Pilot Rum, um, I mean, we were just featured in, in the Times this past Saturday, but we're going to be expanding very, very quickly. Um, due to our connections in North America, et cetera. So um, it seems like uh, 2021, uh, if all is willing, will be a, a very successful year, albeit a, a challenging one. Yeah, correct. And hopefully then, if if uh, if we can, you will also take part in some of the uh, Rum Festival events uh, around the globe, post-COVID. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, post-COVID, uh, I definitely need to escape a little bit. Uh, it's been a bit odd not being on a plane once a month. So uh, definitely need to get around to the different rum festivals and and kind of start talking about not only our product, but uh, how we go about distilling it. Great. Alex, thank you very much. It, it was a very interesting and, and insightful interview. Uh, and for now, I only wish that you can leave the hotel room tomorrow um and and be with your family and friends and uh enjoy christmas and and the new year uh and i'm gonna take up let's say your earlier um suggestion to uh, visit you guys in uh, up all the way in the north of scotland so hopefully post COVID, i will uh, make the travels there 
uh, and spend some time with you guys and, uh, and and see and learn more about the distillery. But thank you, and uh, I wish you all perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pedro. Cheers. Cheers.